and welcome to another edition of IDS Talks. My name is Hunter McMahon, and I'm the COO at IDS, and I am joined here today by Jock Knack. We're going to have a great conversation with ChatGPT, I mean about ChatGPT, because it's one of the many new generative AI applications out there. Jock, what is the latest question you've asked of ChatGPT? Well, hello, hello, hello. Um, uh, question I've asked of ChatGPT, um, uh, 1,500 ways to make a billion dollars. Did it give you any good answers? Cause I need, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to be working on that over here to the side. Um, uh, you know, can you give me example of a stock trading strategy that works and things like that? And gonna, you know, we try to use this, but you know, the, the bottom line is all come back to, you know, this very point, which is, um, 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 you know, do we know how to properly prompt the system and do we know how to make the best use of it right now? And so we're very tempted to use the platform like we use Google to ask questions and to get, um, the, and, and to get the response. And because of the narrative, um, sort of the human narrative that ChatGPT produced, we have, um, you know, we believe that what we see and what we read is right. It's true. It always, you know, sounds very well um, uh, argued and very well uh, organized. And so, you know, we kind of tend to go to it for very important decisions. So to very, to, to draw very important documents, et cetera. And I think that's where lays the, 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 the trouble, right? Um, what is the appropriate use for ChatGPT and uh, what, uh, when can we use it? When can we not use it? Um, and how do we consider and how do we, um, how do we uh, essentially um, uh, evaluate the answers that we get from the platform? But I, I think you hit the nail on the head in the sense of there's, there's some proper use cases, right? There, there are some very easy uh, use cases. I used it yesterday as an example of an email that I really wanted to send. It was very uh, direct and we'll call, shall we call it abrasive. And I said, tone this down and make it nice. And it did a great job. It took exactly the points that I needed to make uh, or wanted to make, I should say. Uh, and then it made it a, a much better narrative. Uh, it's taken and changed tones of LinkedIn posts or refine it or summarized content down to a shorter amount of words. Uh, but I've also seen it fail when I said summarize this recent Illinois Supreme Court decision, and it was woefully wrong, completely wrong set of facts, but it looked really good. And if I had not read the actual opinion, I might have you know, taken that summary and run with it, just like the lawyer did recently that we've seen citing cases that did not exist. That is that was a very fun uh, case indeed. I read about it, but we've also seen the same thing with uh, student writing articles and submitting them, uh, submitting essays that are listing and uh, referring to books that have never been written or that they never existed. And it is really on how you prompt the platform. If you see, give me an example of or create a fictitious statement of, well, the system will do just that, right? Um, and a, a good example of how we've used it recently, um, some of our engineers needed to create, um, you know, sample data sets and, um, you know, to test a new platform that we're designing. And so we had an example of one of those um, data set and it was easy to go to ChatGPT and say, you know what? create a hundred more that looks exactly like that. And in that example, because the result is fictitious, because the expectation that's coming out is fictitious, 
we were, we, we, there was a tremendous amount of time saved in terms of creating the formatting, the, 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 the output in the right format with the variations in names and in addresses and things like that, that we wanted to do to enable the power of something. But when you start to talk about a, a motion, uh, a legal document, something that it has to link to ex specific facts, uh, factual events or factual um, uh, research. Uh, well, this system is going to be is going to be subject to a bias. Um, it's going to be subject to mitigation. Remember that the way the model is trained is sometimes by providing it um, data that is generated in fake to 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 uh, to help it uh, to help it um, achieve specific uh, conclusion uh, mathematical approximations but the, the 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 outcome here is a mathematical test not necessarily a logical or, or truth test and so the result of the generative ai text can be subject to those changes uh, as well there is also other questions around transparency there are questions around the explainability of 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 the outputs, you know, in in system, there are issues around, um, you know, how you convey information in the system, um, and so when using it, um, it, it like you mentioned, it's it, it's uh, you know user error, right? It's uh, it's we have to understand what we put. It's not in. really garbage in, garbage out, like many other data problems we have. It is a bad question in garbage out. Like it's a, do you understand what you're asking it? Does it understand you? Cause it seems very conversational. So it's lowered the barrier of uh, access, if you will, to the average user, but there's I, still a lot that goes on. You know, I'd like to think that models or searching models, um, you know, like the ones we've seen for years, Google, Bing, um, that are either based on um, the popularity of specific topic, how often people are accessing that topic and ranking them and classifying those topic as the answer for a given reason. Like when you go to Google, you don't get the answer. You get the answer most people are, are, are accessing as the first result, right? There's, there's already a bias there, but again, you are basically dealing in the, in the context of a Google tab search systems or Bing tab search system with the, with essentially a crowd-based um, a vetting of the answer, right? So if a lot of very smart people continues to upvote and access the very same site and very same resource, then the bias that is ingested by the platform is that, well, these answers here tend to be right and tend to be sought after by people. Well, the experience you have with ChatGPT is a very unique one-on-one -on -one experience. Are you asking your own question and you're getting your own feedback? Right. And the system tends to generate the answer with, with respect to that contextual conversation. Um, and while doing that, it's also learning, but it's learning from all, all of us. It's learning from people prompting bad questions and people prompting good questions. Well, so let's, let's talk about it learning from all of us. I, I can assume that everything I put in there strictly confidential will never be reused or repurposed. Right. I mean, it's, it's a safe place to put my personal private data in there. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> we've, seen, we've seen quite a bit of that, right? Um, remember, when we talk about data, the notion of anonymity, anonymity, anonymity. There we go. Right. The, the, that issue is really uh, limited by the ability of the consumer of that anonymous data to reconstruct the data point. The fact is, 
if we were sharing only all of our information to the same channel, then we would have some uh, some assurance that what we have protected, it is indeed protected. But we know today that people can reconstruct data by pulling the missing information using alternate sources. We've seen companies and um, you know we've seen CFOs use ChatGPT to upload very sensitive financial information into the system. We've seen other people put very sensitive documents, very critical contract um, in the system for a second review. For instance, in the example you you mentioned earlier, please tone down this particular response. What if it was a very important uh, email or a docu- uh, letter that was supposed to go to just a need to know person? Now it's available and it's been available in the Microsoft data set, in the chat, in the OpenAI data set. It's now available there. And that type of leakage uh, may have consequences. I think right now we don't really know, but it is from a data security and data privacy standpoint, it is important to think about what you use as your prompt and what you use as your examples, how you mention people to think about controls around anonymity, right? Uh, implementing controls around security. And and, and ultimately, um, you have to have, if you're looking at the subject matter expertise type of topic, it is important to understand actually the, uh, um, and to be able to inter- interpret the answers. Um, I definitely wouldn't really be able to understand ChatGPT responding to me about a question on on medical something, um, and I'll just take its words for it, right? And again, well, here- but, so so let's use that example though, and, and and I think I have found a couple of these where it's a starting point of knowledge. It's not the destination, if you will. So if you sat there and said, "I'm feeling this way," what kind of doctor should I call? Maybe there is a a symptom analysis that it, you could get at least a direction, but you're not you're not there to get a diagnosis. You're there to maybe know a next step. Are you doing WebMD right now? No, <laughs> I, I'm combining the two. But okay, so another example is where should I look for statutes about something? I'm not saying that is my final research destination. I'm not using that as the end all be all. But if I don't even know where to start, it could give me a baseline reference point to get going. I think some of the common ones is tell me more about this or explain this to me. And it simplifies it in a way that it lets you get started, not finish your your uh, research trail, if you will. Absolutely. I think there is a tremendous applications for ChatGPT. Um, and, uh, but however, it is not ready to replace, uh, you know, a professional that has spent years building his craft and learning about this particular area uh, of knowledge, you know, you, ChatGP won't replace your lawyer. You won't replace your doctor for a professional opinion that looks at fact and looks at the, the details. It, it's, it's, it's a language model. And I think it's very important to not just keep very quickly through those warnings and those notices that chat GPT presents before you start every and every one of the sessions, right? It is very important. And also understand the nuance between, you know, version three versus versus version four and version two in how it's interpreting and, and providing those answers. Uh, how do you go about prompting the system? I don't know, right? I think that um, one, the one of the areas here is that uh, you have to make sure that if you're using the model, it's a regularly maintained model. It's a model that has the most updated version. Um, you have to be able to, um, to sometimes the answers require to have a subject matter expertise to detect bias or to detect 
um, um, you know, trends of thoughts within the system. Um, you know, I would very, I'll be very, um, I would be very, um, 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 uh, you know, I was very curious to see what would be chat GPT analysis of, for instance, Elon Musk tweet over time and, you know, ranking them in terms of sentiment or in terms of affiliation with one party or another. Right. And you might see looking at that, how the bias in the system for a topic that is widely discussed and where everybody has his own personal opinion is received by various people who are using the platform in terms searching and classifying information as ChatGPT presents it is very different than retrieving information in the way that Google was making it available. With ChatGPT, we're not necessarily retrieving information, right? What we are is asking for the system to come back with some, you know, um, logicalized version of human thoughts. And I think one of the things that it's done more than anything, you, you talked about how it comes back in the interaction is it's really made it more accessible. You know, the the technology is made now accessible to, I'll call it a, a broader population, not everybody, but a, a very large population where those type of algorithms and technology was hidden in a black box that only data scientists could access for a long time. And then it became more, it had some other UIs and some other applications. We've obviously used a lot of technology in the legal space, but how do we make sure that it doesn't become, you, you talked about the leakage earlier and become a huge liability for companies. How do we, how do we make sure that users understand the boundaries to put around it? Um, and, and I don't, I wouldn't say that I have the answer here. I'd say that, um, you know, just like any new technology out there, uh, in regulatory compliance, in, you know, data security and privacy compliance, we have broad, we have broad, uh, guidance around, you know, securing the uh, content, securing, um, uh, you know, uh, ensuring that we use proper authorization for processing information, et cetera, et cetera. So we, we kind of have to look into that. Most people are deploying ChatGPT within the ChatGPT interface, but a lot of companies are now looking to implement generative AI as a search tool, as a tool within the application, that tool within business application, a number of other things. When they do so, we want them to make sure that they're using encrypted channel. We want them to make sure that they are using proper storage for that information, that they're using proper anonymization when needed, that they become aware of the applicable regulatory restriction, if you're dealing, for instance, with um, medical data, personal identifying information, financial record, and so forth, that you have those controls in place. With respect to how one consumes the information coming from the system, private implementation of generative AI, um, the company implementation of generative AI is going to be subject to those companies' own uh, curation of the, of the model and training of the language model to determine how how the, the, the level of freedom they want to provide the system in expressing its, um, you know, in, in, in choosing words and, 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 and generating the, the, the content. So all of those require proper considerations. We are still going through and learning about it. And, uh, there is not one company default. I mean, we now generally have AI systems with open AI, which is embedded with Microsoft and Bing, but we also have some, uh, you know, systems with uh, Google right to the system. And there are at least three or four other similar applications that I've, I've looked into recently 
one of our colleagues in the legal industry um, was recently discussing a new platform, Jeremy AI, called Kevin. And this particular system was uh, built and trained specifically for legal analysis and summaries and things of that nature. So quite a bit going out there. And uh, regardless of what the topic is and what the specialty is, um, the requirements for, you know, the, the system still has to follow the law and still has to follow best practices. So it's, it's, it's a great opportunity, but also great risk. And so it's a matter of understanding really what you're doing with the system, understanding where your data is going and how it is being used so that you don't create unnecessary risk associated with the adoption of new technology. Absolutely. I mean, I think that some of uh, the things that we want to have, just like um, there's a requirement right now to disclose when you use uh, uh, robots to provide customer service in specific industries. Um, some of the controls that we may start to see um, come out might be for lawyers submitting motion or brief, a waiver stating that they have not used, like it wasn't generated by a generated AI platform. We've um, actually seen some of that with engagement letters where clients are specifically prohibiting the use of generative AI on their engagements. Yes, exactly. So, so, there, so, so there, there is that, right? And, and, and if you use one of those things, you have to acknowledge that it wasn't really your content and that it could have been flawed. So, uh, at least from professional responsibility, um, we don't have enough here and yet in terms of of thresholds to argue for a lot of you know for our, for a lot of these things. I mean, right now a lot of these. Even the lawyer's mistake can be chalked up to an honest mistake. Let's see what the disciplinary actions with respect to um, his sanction, um, his sanction motions. Um, you know how how those pan out in the next few weeks, months. We'll see how that comes out. But that those become signs of what we're looking for um, on there. Yeah. Maybe we'll have to have a follow-up uh, once those rulings come out. But for now, I want to thank you, Jacques, for joining us and our listeners again. Uh, if you'd like to learn more about IDS or subscribe, you can visit IDSINC.com or wherever you normally get your podcasts. Thanks again for joining us, and we look forward to the next edition of IDS Talks. This was great. Thank you, Hunter.